An innocent discovery. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. A powerful weapon. I want that rocket. A deadly conspiracy. They're working for a Nazi agent. An extraordinary adventure. Jenny's in trouble. We've got the girl. Here he comes. The rocket will come to us. We're only gonna get one pass again. Rocketeer. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers, our first of 2021. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. It's a simple enough format to get to grips with. We get drunk and talk about 80s and 90s pop culture. And that is pretty much it. Um, <laughs> I'm Morgan, and I'm joined as ever by my compatriot in all things cult. It's Tom. Hello. Uh, so before we kick off, we wanted to give a quick shout out to some fans who sent us some lovely messages over the festive period, either on Twitter or Facebook, at Two Geeks Cast on both of those, or via email, podcast at twogeeks2beers.com. So thank you to Lee Bragg, Stu McKay, Howard Pirrett, David Petchy. Uh, it really does mean the world when we hear from a listener. So thank you all uh, for listening, for your ongoing support, and don't forget to leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Um, and we hope that you enjoy what we've got coming up in 2021. Yeah, so, you. with 2020 finally behind us, uh, let's strap in as we jet into the new year with a rambling retrospective on 1991's The Rocketeer. Now, Tom, do those two words set off even a flicker of recognition <laughs> for you? <laughs> um, uh, no. Well, this is the thing. Oh, firstly, Happy New Year. I didn't actually say that a second. Happy New Year. Um, well, when you first suggested this, I have to admit, yet again, as is tradition, I say I'm a geek, but apparently I've not heard of a thing we're talking about. Um, and I pictured in my mind, for some reason, um, uh, what's his name? You know, from Looney Tunes, uh, the, 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 the Martian. What's his name? Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian. I was picturing that kind of, um, you know, like, right, it's a cross between him and mm. the, the kid from the um, Ricicles serials. Do you remember right. Ricicles? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was exactly what you mean. Of, was, really. Yeah. Some sort of uh, cartoon character with, a, like, a helmet on going to space. I thought it was that kind of thing. For some reason, I had in my mind that that's what the Rocketeer was. And I was like, all right, if he wants to do an episode on the Rocketeer, we'll let him do an episode on the Rocketeer. have now got super-duper, hyper-galactic, space-shaped marshmallow pieces in them. Kellogg's Ricicles, part of your complete cosmic breakfast. And then I looked it up earlier today. I was like, oh, it's totally not what I thought it was. And this sounds incredible. Why have I never heard of it, let alone, oh, I've never seen it, let alone heard of it. Because it sounds amazing. So I'm looking forward to you teaching me all about it. I mean, your idea sounds great too. Uh... <laughs> Maybe we could do a future episode on, on Ricicles. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah, the Ricicles Kid. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe that'll be a Patreon-only exclusive. <laughs> so, 
The Rocketeer, uh, yeah, this film was a favourite of mine as a child. Uh, it seemed to get fairly frequent airings on, on television back in the day. It's what I'd call a bank holiday Monday classic. And I revisited it recently on Disney+, Plus, where it's now streaming. So it was released on the 21st of June, 1991, by Walt Disney Pictures. So we would have been about four or five at the time, but about seven or nine uh, when it first aired on TV, which is the perfect age <laughs> to experience this film for the first time. Uh, and the film runs to an economical 108 minutes. So we, we've, we've spoken about this before. If you watch a film as a kid and then you watch it mm. again, you know, you, you'd love it for the rest of your life. Whereas if you watched it, if, if you're like me then, I watched it for the first time now, will it mm. be a bit like, mm, or would I still enjoy it? I, uh, do you know what? I don't know if it would bite into your history in quite the same way. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it might lightly nibble on your history <laughs> if, you, if you were to watch it now. But... <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, these these sorts of films have more of an impact if you watch them when you're a kid. Yeah, but I really like that Disney Plus is actually making an effort and putting films like this on. Well, they didn't need to. They, they're going back in their back catalogue, going, "Oh yeah, we still got this. Still got this in, in the back cupboard. Should we put this on there as well? Yeah, go on then. Someone will watch it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. everyone else is praising Disney Plus for you know their innovative uh, original programming <laughs> like The Mandalorian. But we're like, yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad to see the Rocketeer is on there. <laughs> no, no one else is saying that. So in the film, uh, set in 1930s LA and New York, stunt pilot Cliff Secord, played by Billy Campbell, uh, discovers a jetpack and becomes a masked hero. Cliff's heroic deeds soon attract the attention of a number of interested parties. The FBI, the jetpack's inventor, Howard Hughes, played by Terry O'Quinn. Oh, and- amazing. <laughs> and Nazi operatives who want to use the jetpack for their own nefarious ends. One such agent being Neville Sinclair, a Hollywood star and secret Nazi spy played by Timothy Dalton. Come uh, on! Bloody hell. I can see why you like this film. <laughs> to some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket? What? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh, my. What are we doing here? What are you supposed to do? Is a bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that? for this dame. Jenny's in trouble. They're working for a Nazi agent. With an army equipped with these, you could rule the world. Cliff! You touch one hair on her head, I swear out. <laughs> Shoot him! We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. I love her, Peeve. Does she know that? She's gonna find out. Go get him, kid. Yes. Amazing. The Rocketeer. Come on. 
um, throughout that trailer, I was just trying to work out what I know Billy Campbell from, and I realised it was uh, the OC. It was Carter uh, from the OC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he still looked good. Still looked good. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. But, uh, well, funnily enough, uh, not the last OC connection that, that mm. the Rocketeer has. Um, so the film was based on the adventures of superhero the Rocketeer. Uh, who first appeared in 1982 in comic books published by Pacific Comics. Uh, the character was devised by writer-artist Dave Stevens as a homage to the Saturday matinee serial heroes of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, the comic stories featured nods to Pulp Fiction characters uh, like The Shadow and Doc Savage, who in the comic was the original inventor of the jetpack, but the film couldn't use the character due to rights issues. Uh, and the comic also included characters inspired by actors from the 1940s and 50s. So the villain Lothar, his appearance was based on horror movie star Rondo Hatton. And Cliff Secord's girlfriend Betty was modelled after 1950s pin-up model Betty Page. Uh, so Dave anything, Stevens- to do with, anything to do with the other famous Lothar or just coincidence? <laughs> no, just... Pure coincidence, no connection to uh, the famous Lothar from, uh, from 1980s animated series Defenders of the Earth. Uh, so Dave Stevens uh, sold the film rights to the Rocketeer in 1983, just a year after the character made uh, its comic book debut. And Steve Miner, who was the director of Halloween H2O and Lake Placid, uh, he purchased the film rights from Stevens, but according to Stevens, strayed too far from the original concept and the rights reverted back. Uh, but then two writers, uh, Paul DeMeo and Danny Bilson, began working on adapting The Rocketeer for the screen in 1985. Uh, and Dave Stevens liked that their ideas for The Rocketeer were heartfelt and affectionate tributes to the 1930 serials with all the right dialogue and atmosphere. Now, Paul DeMeo and Danny Bilson, uh, fascinating uh <laughs> that catalogue of work. So they also wrote the script for the James Bond video game, Everything or Nothing. <laughs> Good. Nice. One of our, our favourites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go back and listen to our James Bond video games episode, if you haven't already. Uh, they also uh, served as, as sort of developers and showrunners on the 90s TV series of The Flash. Uh, they also uh, wrote the 2020 movie The Five Bloods. Uh, which uh, was released sadly posthumously in the case of DeMeo, who passed away in February 2018. Mm. And, again, going back to the OC, Danny Bilson is also the father of actress Rachel Bilson. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, oh, so so he gave us both The Rocketeer and Rachel <laughs> Bilson, both of which I'm big fans of. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's how Billy Campbell got the gig in the OC. So Bilson, that's uh, Danny, not Rachel, is also an avid gamer. He was a, a consulting producer for the first Sims game uh, mm. and has written extensively for video game franchises, including uh, Command and & Conquer and Medal of Honor. Uh, DeMeo and Danny Bilson also wrote for comics, uh, including for The Flash, and in 2007 wrote a mini-series for Wildstorm Comics named Red Menace with actor Adam Brody who was, of course, at the time, dating uh, Danny's daughter, Rachel Bilson. Wow, there you go. <laughs> when you spotted Carter from the OC as the lead of the Rocketeer, <laughs> you had no idea. Uh, pull a thread, look what happens. Uh, so DeMeo and Bilson uh, originally met at California State University. And now I'm going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but, but, but bear with me. Um, right. 
because I did get distracted slightly <laughs> researching this episode. Um, but they, they, they met at California State University and, uh, and started writing together. And their first script was for a film called Trancers, which came out in 1985, which is a noir tale about a time-travelling detective from the future. Uh, so wow. Jack, Jack Death, played by, uh, Tim, played by uh, Tim Thomerson, is a Philip Marlowe-esque police detective from the 23rd century who travels to the 1980s to bring his old nemesis to justice. The film, and you, you know, we both love our time travel rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. This film portrays a unique method of time travel. People can travel back in time by injecting themselves with a drug that allows them <laughs> to take over the body of an ancestor. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit quantum leap. And um, was it like was it like Crime Traveller where they spent the first forty minutes explaining the rules of the time travel before they actually did the time travel? Do you know what? I, I did fall down a rabbit hole, but it didn't go deep enough for me to actually watch this movie. Um, I'm Jack Death. I'm a trooper in the 23rd century. Jack Death, Angel City PD. May I see your stats? What did I do? Under Section 7 of the Penal Code, the Council authorized me to administer you a transfer suspect examination. You can't give me a TSE without a warrant. I got your warrant right here now. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want any trouble. Hold on, my job is hunting transfers. I got nothing to hide. Finding them. Negative. And singeing them. Look out! But maybe I should, because it's absolutely freaky franchise material. There were uh, five sequels made. Um... <laughs> Somehow, but two four. <laughs> the the transfers fan base. Uh, they, they they enjoyed to varying degrees the sequels that were made between 1991 and 2002. Um, it is worth saying that uh, DeMeo and Bilson were not involved in any of the sequels. Um, the the original film though is certified fresh uh, with 83 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Transfers Six, however, has an audience score of just 10 percent. Uh, <laughs> It is also the only film in the franchise not to feature uh, original star Tim Thomerson, except in uh, archive footage. Although, uh, playing sort of the, the lead female, Academy Award winner Helen Hunt appeared in the first three Transfers movies. Like, you can sort of imagine that she would appear in the first one, but like... The she, first- just, she believed in the franchise, even though she yeah. was becoming a big star herself. Yeah, she was like, look... I'm, I'm never going to... I'm a big star now. I'm winning Oscars left, right and centre, but I'm never going to turn my back on Trancers. It's where I got my star. I feel like she was already quite a big star when she did Trancers, yeah. but anyway. Anyway, interesting. Um, so uh, William Deere, uh, who was best known for directing 1987's Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, Bigfoot movie. Uh, yeah. He was uh, hired to direct and co-write uh, The Rocketeer. Uh, according to Dave Stevens, he said, Bill, sort us out. So again, another kindred spirit fell in as director and co-writer. So then Deer, Stevens, DeMeo and Bilson, the boys, they went around uh, pitching The Rocketeer to every movie studio in town and everybody turned it down. Uh, no, no one was interested. Stephen said uh, this was 1986, long before Batman or Dick Tracy or anything similar. In those days, no studio was interested at all in an expensive comic book movie. We got there about three years too early for our own good. Oh, the irony. Uh, In pitching, they also uh, developed their original idea. They'd originally thought it would be more of a sort of independent, low-budget, black-and-white film, basically like a pastiche of the old movie serials, more in that style. Uh, But then they developed it. Uh, into something more 
big budget. Uh, in developing the film, uh, Bilson, DeMeo and Deere, they kept the comic book's basic plot intact, but fleshed it out to include a Hollywood setting and a climactic battle against a Nazi Zeppelin, which reportedly cost $400,000 to produce. You say Nazi like uh, Timothy Dalton says nasty. <laughs> well, yeah, it's very fitting. <laughs> Things are about to get Nazi. <laughs> I've had a belly full of you and your cheap heroics. Hand over the rocket or I'll blow her brains. All over the cabin. No, don't give it to him, Cliff, you can't! I have to. Help Captain! Slide it. If she moves, kill her. Where's your stunt man now, Sinclair? I do my own stunts. Timothy Dalton there, chewing the scenery marvelously. Uh, <laughs> So after everyone else in Hollywood had turned the film down, uh, Walt Disney Studios eventually accepted The Rocketeer because they believed the film had big potential for merchandising. Uh, and Stevens, Bilson, DeMeo and Deere all signed a contract to make a trilogy of Rocketeer <laughs> films. Uh, however, Bilson and DeMeo suffered creative differences with Disney, causing the film to languish in development hell for several years. Uh, apparently, Disney put Bilson and DeMeo's script through an endless series of revisions. And over five years, Disney fired and rehired them three times. Uh, DeMeo explained that Disney felt that they needed a different approach to the script, which meant bringing in someone else. But those scripts were thrown out and we were always brought back on. Uh, apparently, they found the studio's constant tinkering with the screenplay to be a frustrating process as executives would have previously excised dialogue three months later. Scenes that had been thrown out two years ago were put back in. What was the point? <laughs> I was thinking like this Disney I thought Disney doing this kind of meddling was a relatively new thing but clearly not they've they've, they've always uh, been been like this uh, from quite a quite a while. Um Disney CEO Michael Eisner even wanted to change the Rocketeer's iconic helmet from the comic. Yeah. Maybe he wanted something a bit more like the uh, the bicycle kid. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but he was eventually convinced to keep the original design. Uh, according to character's creator Stevens, he said they really tried to shoehorn it into a kiddie property so they could sell toys. All they really yeah. wanted at the end of the day was the name. Uh, so Disney's meddling, the studio's meddling, uh, forced numerous delays, which meant that William Deere eventually had to drop out as director on the project. Uh, but Joe Johnston, who was a fan of the comic book, immediately offered his services as director when he found out Disney owned the film rights uh, and Johnston was quickly hired. Now, Johnston, again, very interesting career. So he began his career as a concept artist and effects technician on the first Star Wars film. He then worked on its two sequels and Raiders of the Lost Ark, plus Willow as an associate wow. producer. Uh, yeah. He designed The Iron Giant for the film of the same name. Uh, and as a filmmaker, uh, he was best known for effects-driven films. So pre-Rocketeer, you had Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 1989. 
Um, after the Rocketeer, he did uh, the Page Master in 1994, which I never uh, thought we'd—I re- never thought we'd reference the Page Master two episodes on the no. trot. I never thought we'd reference it at all. Um, Probably <laughs> not two episodes on the trot. Uh, so he did—he did that. He also directed Jumanji in 1995, um, yeah. and Jurassic Park three in 2001. Um, well, we can't win them all, but you know that was a bloody good, uh, bloody good lineup of films there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in in 1999, he directed the biographical drama October Sky as well. Oh, I love October Sky. <laughs> Brilliant film. <laughs> Do you know what? I wasn't sure if you'd seen oh. it or not, but I was like, oh, that, that is ought to be a shit. I bet someone will love that. <laughs> uh, really good film. Uh, whimsical, or- whimsical Autumn. Of course you love that shit. Um, this spring, turn your eyes to the sky and watch what happens when everything you believe in Soars. I think we got a chance. October Sky. Interestingly, in the in the late nineties, because obviously Rocketeer, a bit of a superhero vibe. In the late nineties, uh, Johnston was uh, attached to direct a Hulk movie, uh, oh. which would have been written by his Jumanji scriptwriter, uh, Jonathan Hensley. Uh, Hensley was uh, a writer on Die Hard with a Vengeance and Armageddon. Uh, and eventually uh, made his directorial debut with another superhero movie, uh, 2004's The Punisher. Uh, but uh, Johnston dropped out of the Hulk uh, before it got made. Well, it didn't get made. Um, <laughs> but he, he did uh, eventually direct one of the earliest entries in the MCU, uh, Captain America the First Avenger in, in oh, 2011, wow. which I think is an underrated entry in the MCU. Uh, personally, yeah. I, love that. I love that one. Um <laughs> Kevin Feige, uh, president of Marvel Studios, of course, he uh, actually cited Johnston's directorial work on October Sky and The Rocketeer um, mm. as, as to why he was the right choice, uh, along with his special effects work uh, that he carried out on the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, so, after Bilson and DeMeo did a third major rewrite, Disney finally greenlit uh, The Rocketeer and filming uh, kicked off on the 19th of September, 1990, and carried on until the 22nd of January, 1991, with special effects sequences being provided by uh, Lucasfilm's Industrial Light and Magic. But the production wrangles were far from over. Now... (laughs) (laughs) Was it it, it quite rocky on the Rocketeer front? Oh, there you go, there you go. That's why we we pay you nothing. You get what you pay for. <laughs> so, should we talk about the cast? We've talked about the cast a little mm-hmm. bit already, but let's mm-hmm. go deep on the cast. Uh, so, as we said, in the lead role, you have uh, Billy Campbell as, as Cliff Secord, the Rocketeer. Uh, according to Dave Stevens, Campbell came into the audition and just nailed it shut. He was made for it. Part was his. I don't know, he didn't just nail it. He nailed it shut. Like, <laughs> boom. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, Joe Johnston... Had to convince Disney uh, to let him cast uh, Billy Campbell. Let him get on with it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> They've even seen the film and I'm sick of your meddling. Jenny, prepare yourself for a shock. I'm the Rocketeer. He had to convince Disney uh, to, to let him cast uh, Billy Campbell in the lead role. Uh, Campbell has gone on to play uh, te- roles in, uh, in Tales of the City, 
the US version of The Killing and the series uh, Helix and Cardinal. But of course, he's best known to me and Tom for playing uh, <laughs> the philandering Carter who dared to come between Sandy and Kirsten in season two of The O.C. Um, he was a dish, though. He had a good beard. Remember that? <laughs> he yeah. did. Um, but at the time, uh, he was best known for playing Luke Fuller on Dynasty, a character killed off in the infamous uh, Moldovian massacre. Uh, <laughs> Could we get a way of doing like a Dynasty episode or a Dallas episode? Coming soon to Patreon, <laughs> the Dynasty special. <laughs> I, I, I think we could spend um, you know at least a mini episode's length just talking about whether it's Dynasty or Dynasty. No one seems like that show. <laughs> Began in the eighties, and yet still, no one seems to know. People just go around saying, "Oh, have you seen? Uh, have you seen that reboot of Dynasty? I preferred the original Dynasty. Which is it? Everyone's using different ones. Like no one agrees. But not only do they not agree, but they can't even like no one's even acknowledged the fact that we're using two totally different pronunciations of this show. Like people just go around calling it different things. Anyway, well, also just to prove that people actually listen to this show, mm. if you're listening to this, mm. definitely tweet <laughs> us, tweet us, or email us. Preferably tweet so everyone could see it. Um, I want a Dynasty slash Dallas episode, and then that will convince Morgan that we should do one. Okay? I thought, well, to be fair, is it not landing that um, includes an alien abduction? So that's our way in. <laughs> there you go. That, that's, yeah, our way, that's our way and in. And you've got – is that part of the Westfall – what's his name? Tommy Westfall but, universe as well? Are they prob- in that? Probably. Yeah, m- okay. m- m- Most things are. I thought you, I thought you were going to say <laughs> – Tweet us to let us know how you pronounce, how pronounce Dynasty it. or Dynasty. I was like, how the fuck is that going to work? Everyone's, everyone's, well, everyone's just saying Dynasty, Dynasty. Sort of thing I would have said. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a few, few, he's a few John Smiths in. Um, so, so because uh, Joe Johnston had to battle, uh, even though Billy Campbell had, had nailed it shut, he hadn't just nailed it, he nailed it shut. Um, he closed it. He closed the door. <laughs> I like. I don't think of it as like a coffin. It's like anyone else's hopes were like nailed shut in a coffin. Billy Campbell killed it. Maybe that's where that he comes sat, from. He sat on the coffin. That's what he did. <laughs> so no one get out. He he cremated anyone else's hopes of landing that role. Um, but because because Disney, you know, it wasn't a surefire thing. Um, other actors uh, were considered, and we all, we always enjoy this. All right. Yeah. So um, what? Tom Cruise. You had like. Uh, Richard Gere, uh, they're probably too old actually at this point. Um, Michael J. Fox, that's a good one. He'd have been good. <laughs> no, so um, Kevin Costner um, was, was oh, apparently wow. considered for the role of Cliff. Matthew Mo- Emilio Mo- Estevez. Weirdly, yes. <laughs> Wait, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, a good yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, Emilio Estevez auditioned. Uh, oh, uh, so, so Costner and Modine were, were unavailable, so Estevez uh, had an audition. Uh, oh, I can't believe I guessed that. Amazing. Dennis Quaid um, was apparently nice. up for it. I'm surprised you didn't guess this next one. Kurt Russell, who um, oh, yeah. was apparently yeah. considered to play every single sci-fi <laughs> hero at one point or another. Um, I feel like Billy Campbell, I might be wrong, I'm probably really wrong here, but I just feel like Billy Campbell, from what he looked like in this film, seems a lot younger than all these people that you're mentioning, but maybe not. Maybe they're the same sort of age. He just well, maybe Billy Campbell's just also you might be thinking of Billy Campbell sort of mid noughties <laughs> rocking a great beard yeah. being all sexy in the OC. Yeah, yeah good that point. was a long time ago. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm not, not saying he looks terrible now, I don't know. Um, sorry, mm. Billy. Um, <laughs> so uh, apparently, Bill Paxton he uh, he he said that he came really close to getting it, not that close, Bill, because uh, Billy had nailed it shut. 
Um, yeah, so right. But uh, uh, Johnny Depp, he he was uh, reportedly Disney's first choice, uh, and Vincent D'Onofrio apparently t- turned oh. down the role. Um, now, all all of those names, I feel like, are, are, are semi credible, right? Um, <laughs> but now we get onto uh, the the infamous IMDb uh, casting oh, yeah. call of bullshit. Uh, <sighs> So, so, do you want to guess who's so Tom, Tom Cruise, Bruce Willis, Arnie Stallone, uh, Richard Dreyfus is randomly always in there. Uh, who else? We've had Costner. Um, oh, I don't know. Tom Sizemore. All these, all these random people that pop up. Go on. None of, none of those, funnily enough. Um, oh, wow. Okay. But, but there's some names in there you think, okay, maybe I can see that. Like Alec Baldwin. Uh, Dustin Mel- Hoffman. <laughs> no. Uh, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, uh, even Ron Perlman. You're like maybe, but then, okay. but then it goes it goes slightly off the rails when you get like uh, Tom Hanks um, and, and, and and Michael Keaton. Who let's not forget this was probably like pre Batman. So he had, and when he was cast in Batman, everyone was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like <laughs> Beetlejuice is Batman. No, we don't want it. Um, but Robin Williams now. No, it's just it's just not true. It's just not true. I mean, I'd love to have seen it, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm the Rocketeer. Oh, that's my that's my dreadful. Is that your Robin Williams? It's not your best. What about James Stewart? Can he do it? <laughs> He'd be like, uh, no, I'm 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 the Rocketeer. Uh, I got this I got this jetpack, and uh, I find a lot of place. Ah. Yeah, uh, uh, it's not. It's not great, but it, it's better than my my Robin Williams. Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> he, he sounds like mildly like shocked by something. Like... <laughs> Robin Williams being mildly shocked in the Rocketeer. Uh, <laughs> oh, this, this rocket is taking off. Oh. No, you, you sound more like Richard Nixon. <laughs> I I am not the Rocketeer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh. So, so, oh, so, so, oh, that may be the worst impression I've ever done. Oh, uh, oh. So, so apparently, the reason uh, Disney weren't happy with Billy Campbell um, was because they felt he wasn't a, a big enough name at the time. Um, but also, Campbell had a fear of flying. Not ideal. Um, <laughs> I mean, surely that's the first thing that comes into it's like. So you, you're auditioning for a film called The Rocketeer. Okay, Rocket is in the title. Um, so have you have you looked at the comics? Have you checked out what The Rocketeer is all about? Yeah, 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 t- totally. Yeah, yeah. And you know that the main thing he does is fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, uh, I can wing it, literally. Billy, Billy, you know what the Rocketeer is, right? Yeah, it's that that Ricicles kid who goes into space, right? Yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll all be special effects. It'll be fine. No, so Campbell had a fear of flying. Um, so he was doubled for almost all of the uh, the flying sequences in traditional aircraft, um, but for the uh, rocket pack sequences, a uh, scale model was used. So Joe Johnston, he was insistent that uh, a realistic flying rocket man uh, be featured in the movie. So. Industrial Light and Magic, they created a lifelike Cliffs Accord model that was animated in stop motion for the rocket pack sequences. Oh, wow. Nice. I like that. I just about got through that sentence before I let out a belch. So. 
like, like for, the, for, the, for the rocket power sequences. People don't realise how many burps I have to edit out when I'm <laughs> putting these episodes together. <laughs> and there's quite a few you leave in. Uh. What are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? Come on, give me a hand. No, Cliff, no, for God's sake, we haven't tested enough. Look what you did to Lucky Give me, cut it out, cut it out. I'm scared enough as it is. Okay, okay, listen. I reworked the throttle, so just squeeze her like a gas pedal. And if you want to stop, mash down hard and then let go. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. A little luck. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. I've realised what he um, reminds me of now. Uh, the rock, the Ant-Man. Uh, Ant-Man. His, uh, his, his suit, when he's got mm. it all on, and the helmet, he looks like Ant-Man. There you go. So maybe, they, uh, maybe that was a homage of sorts. I mean, I'm assuming Ant-Man's costume probably looked like that in the comics as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything I just said is, is stupid. I assume it's pretty uh, more homage to how Ant-Man looked in the, in the original comics. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so uh, five years after her role in, in Labyrinth, uh, Jennifer Connelly played uh, Jenny Blake, uh, Cliff's girlfriend. The Rock of who? Oh, for crying out loud, haven't you read the papers? No, I've been working all day. But look, the name was changed from the comics Betty to Invoid, to Invoid, to Invoid, <laughs> to avoid uh, comparisons to Betty Page, uh, on whom the character was originally based, with the character's profession also changed from nude model uh, to Hollywood <laughs> extra and aspiring actress, uh, nude model. Why, 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 why was that a thing? Because because she was based on Betty Page, who was like a pinup model in the fifties. Um, right. Okay. Was, okay. Sorry, I yeah. misheard you. Then I, I I thought I thought it, the original character in the comics you, that they they went out of their way to make her a nude model, and then they were. No, but I thought you were talking. Betty Page is a real person, right? Yeah, but the character in the comics was called Betty and was based on Betty Page. So they were like, we'll make her a, a, a pin-up model like the real Betty Page. Right. I, I've totally misheard all of that. I heard that as you saying that uh, Jennifer Connelly was going to be the character from the comics, but they couldn't do that because the character in the comics was a nude model. Well, yeah, that is what I well, said. So, so, the, so the character itself was a nude model as well? Yes. But why couldn't they have just, why did they have to do that? Because they wanted a little bit of sauce on the Rocketeer step. <laughs> uh, but so I did. It, so I did hear right. Okay, fine. All right. Well, yeah, you sort of yeah. heard right and fundamentally misunderstood at the same time. Quite an achievement. So, so yes, the comic book character Betty, who was Cliff's girlfriend, is based on the real Betty Page. Okay. Who, is, who is a pinup model or was a pinup model? The character, like the real Betty Page, was also a pinup model. However, in the film, they changed the character's name to Jenny and changed right. the profession from being a nude model 
uh, <laughs> being a, a Hollywood extra and aspiring actress because Disney wanted to make the whole thing yeah. family friendly, like to play down the uh, the associations. Um, <laughs> Do you know, I think I think it's the phrase "nude model" which makes me laugh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever ever heard it said like that before. <laughs> it just really. <laughs> it was it was straight it was straight from Wikipedia. Uh, I, I read it for the articles and also for the nude models. Uh, <laughs> uh, nude model. Um, so so, uh, so uh, Sherilyn Fenn, uh, Kelly Preston, Diane Lane, and Elizabeth McGovern uh, were all considered for the role of Jenny uh, before Jennifer Connolly was eventually cast. Uh, Connolly and Campbell who play uh, boyfriend and girlfriend in this movie, they actually got together in real life. Um, mm. And their relationship lasted five years um, before they broke up in 1996. Uh, Alan Arkin, he played uh, Cliff's friend, the airplane mechanic, PVP body, uh, and got the part after Dave Stevens' first choice, Lloyd Bridges of uh, oh. airplane hotshots fame, uh, turned it down. Timothy Dalton, of course, plays Neville yes. Sinclair. Uh, the characterization of Neville Sinclair was inspired by movie star Errol Flynn, or rather by the image of Flynn that had been popularized by writer Charles Hyam's unauthorized biography of the actor. Now this this is fascinating. So yeah. he says, uh, picking himself up. So in, <laughs> in, in 1980, uh, Charles Hyam wrote a highly controversial biography, Errol Flynn, The Untold Story, uh, in which he alleged that Flynn was a fascist sympathizer who spied for the Nazis, the Nazis, uh, both, both before and during the Second World War. Uh, the film's Neville Sinclair is, like Hyam's version of Flynn, a movie star known for his work in swashbuckler roles and who is secretly a Nazi spy. Uh, Hyam's claims have since been disputed by other biographers, and Flynn's daughters even sued him in uh, sued. <laughs> they, uh, they, they, Is it similar to a, a, a nude model? Yeah, yeah. Errol Flynn's daughters uh, filed a lawsuit uh, in in uh, in 1981, uh, but this suit was dismissed since uh, you cannot libel the dead. Uh, the part of Neville Sinclair was offered to Jeremy Irons and Charles Dance, so they were really going for like a classic uh, yeah. baddie, um, before Timothy Dalton accepted the role and made it his own. And this was only just after Bond as well, wasn't it? So, he, he, yeah. was still, he was still technically Bond at this point. Yeah. What? Kill me as I stand? I thought you were a sporting man. True. I'd hate to stain my legend on a villain such as you. <laughs> Prepare to die that we may learn the identity of the laughing bandit. Why wait? Good heavens, it's a regiment. None of them. Position. Sort of channeling, uh, yeah, Errol Flynn and Inigo Montoya, and you know, all those uh, sort I, of I would, images. I would happily watch that movie, The Laughing Bandit. Yeah. Make it now. Um, 
the uh, the gangster character Eddie Valentine, uh, Valentine Valentine, was uh, was written with Joe Pesci in mind. Uh, he turned down the part, which eventually went to uh, Paul Sorvino. And as mentioned, uh, Terry O'Quinn plays real life figure Howard Hughes. Would you like to see a bit more of Terry? Of course, I would. Where's my rocket pack, Secord? You gotta let me use it one more time. I'm tired of square dancing with you, kid. I can slap you with grand theft, treason, espionage, and that's just my shortlist. Willie, give me the cuffs. No, look, they got my girl. Ah, oh, God, Cliff, no. Yeah, they set up a rendezvous. They want to swap Jenny for the rocket. Look, kid, I understand how you feel, but you've got to let us handle this. I got to go alone or they're going to kill her. I'll give your rocket back tomorrow, I swear. Hey, this ain't negotiation. Those guys are playing for keeps. I can handle Valentine. The Valentine gang has only hired muscle. They're working for a Nazi agent. Someone we think is highly placed in Hollywood society. Someone our intrepid G-men have been unable to identify. It's Neville Sinclair. What? It's Neville Sinclair. Come on. Yeah, sure, it makes perfect sense. That's why he was bossing Eddie's men around at the South Seas Club. That's why he has Jenny. <laughs> nice try, kid. We're taking him downtown and we're locking him up. We'll take it from here, Mr. Hughes. Let's go, kid. Hey! So... It just occurred to me that uh, I promise I have seen this movie. Uh, more, more, I've been mispronouncing uh, the lead character's surname the whole time. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been pronouncing it like record, uh, but it's actually it's actually C chord. Um, um, but I hope you've enjoyed my pronunciations of nude and lawsuit uh, <laughs> and uh, Nazi as well. Uh, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with Nazi. I, mean, I say Nazi. It's not. It's not the National Socialist Party. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and rounding off the cast, uh, Rocketeer creator Dave Stevens had a cameo as the German test pilot who is killed when the Nazis uh, <laughs> version of a rocket jetpack explodes uh, during its takeoff sequence. Uh, Stevens apparently allied himself with the film's director, Joe Johnston, and production manager, Ian Bryce, in an effort to be as heavily involved in the production process as possible uh, to try and secure as much artistic control as he could from Disney. Uh, Disney were not enthusiastic with Stevens' level of involvement. Uh, the film was hit with production issues, so it ended up going uh, 50 days over schedule uh, due to weather and mechanical problems. Uh, the original production budget was set at $25 million, but rose to $35 million, though apparently this wasn't because of production delays. It was because uh, Disney were so impressed with the first dailies that they just threw another $10 million at the Rocketeer. Um, <laughs> the film finally made it to theatres in 1991 and to promote the rocketeer disney went big they paid for uh tie-in endorsements with pizza hut and m&ms there were computer games toys trading cards clothes tie-in books it was a big deal uh they also spent a further 19 million dollars uh, on tv advertising alone uh and a television special documentary the rocketeer excitement in the air was broadcast on the disney channel in june 1991 uh, despite Disney's efforts, the film underperformed at the box office. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, said, I feel like it hasn't really had that much of a legacy. I feel like it hasn't really, you know, stood the test of time. Uh, not just because I haven't heard of it, but, you know, you know. But... It, it, it's it got Terry O'Quinn and Timothy Dalton, and they've both got brilliant moustaches. Like, what, what more do you need? What more do you need? So it opened at number four 
in the on, in the box office in its opening weekend behind mm. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, City yeah. Slickers, and yeah. Dying Young. Um, and what? Yeah, I've not even heard of that third one. Which one uh, was it? Dying Young. Oh, I thought it said Diane Young, like like the, <laughs> the Vampire Weekend song. Oh, okay. uh, weird. Uh, so. Yeah, weird, weird. It's almost like that song title's a pun. Um, <laughs> you're not just learning about the Rocketeer. You're learning so much. Oh, what idiot. Right on time. Um, so Disney uh, <laughs> relaunched uh, promotion of the film in an attempt to uh, bolster its box office receipts so they replaced the original Art Deco style teaser, which is very nice to look at, but doesn't really tell you a great deal about the film or who's in it. They they, they replaced it with uh, the new poster, which featured the film stars uh, Billy Campbell, Jennifer Connelly, and Timothy Dalton, who, as we touched on, was still technically James Bond at this point. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the US yeah, yeah. box office, at least, the film made uh, just $46.7 million uh, on an estimated budget of between 35 and $40 million. So it really did not make a lot of money. Um, however, and again, always makes me feel slightly, slightly queasy uh, to say this, but oh. it, received, it received mostly positive reviews from critics. Uh, Rolling Stone called it one of the best films of the summer and uh ebert liked it he was a, he was a big fan <laughs> can, I, can i can i just say just going back to dying young um i looked up guess who starred in dying young I don't know vincent donofrio frio <laughs> right so he vincent donofrio turned down the rocketeer to star in dying young which actually was <laughs> Was the, was the better move? He's, he, yeah, he was like, "I'm gonna." Turn, no, I'm not even gonna do a Vincent D'Onofrio impression. I don't know. It's, even if uh... I got it, even if I got it right, even if I nailed a Vincent D'Onofrio impression, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like such a niche. Uh, be like, that is a that is a great Vincent D'Onofrio that you do. It's a, it's, it's a. In case you're wondering, it's a romantic film starring Julia Roberts, and it has the main theme tune uh, performed by Kenny G. So uh, there you go. <laughs> was the Vampire Weekend song a cover of the Kenny G track? <laughs> I'm going to say yes, because that's, uh, that's amazing. Julia Roberts. Campbell Scott. In a Joel Schumacher film. Dying Young. I love you. Most people live a lifetime and never love like this. Well, on, on, on Rotten Tomatoes, Dying Young only has 23%. So I think Rocketeer overall uh, won that war. <laughs> it, it lost the battle, but it won the war. Uh, can you stream Dying Young right now on Disney Plus? No, you can't. Um, uh, so did Roger Ebert like it? I don't know. I can't be bothered to look it up. Um, it says here Roger Ebert gave the film two out of four. There you go. Ah, ah there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Ebert was a fan of the Rocketeer, not so much of Dying Young. Um, uh, so, but despite you know the, those positive reviews, the Rocketeer uh, bombed at the box office. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it some kind of bomb? Yes, it turns out it is. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but the film later proved popular on home video and has gone on to develop a cult following. Hey. 
Hey, there you go. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, Dave Stevens, he, he later said that uh, despite Disney's meddling, uh, he was uh, satisfied with 70% of the final film and highly praised uh, Joe Johnston's direction. Uh, he said the overall spirit and sweetness of the series is still there intact. We lost some good character stuff in editing for time, but the tone of it is still what I was trying to project in the comic pages. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, there were plans for a Rocketeer trilogy. Uh, Disney had apparently seen the uh, budding franchise as a potential successor to the Indiana Jones movies. You know, that kind of like you know, period setting mm. and, and a swash, swashbuckling feel. Um, both Billy Campbell and Jennifer Connelly were contracted for sequels. So he was uh, he was contracted for two. She was contracted for one more movie. Uh, but plans for sequels were, of course, abandoned after the film was a disappointment at the box office. Mm-hmm. In 2008, uh, Billy Campbell told MTV News. I have no idea why MTV News was asking Billy Campbell about The Rocketeer in 2008, but great. Sounds like sort of um, thing we would have done if we had Billy Campbell. Uh, yeah. like, should, we, uh, yeah. should we ask about The Rocketeer? Yeah, fuck it. How can I segue from this interview about the show Helix... How can I work in a question about the Rocketeer? This is what me and Tom spent much of our early career trying to, trying to, trying to work out those kind of questions. Um, so Billy, Cam- Billy Campbell told MTV News, uh, the movie didn't make as much money as Disney had hoped, and that coupled with the acrimonious relationship that the director and the studio had contributed to them not even considering it. They're, we're not even going to consider it. Um, however, in 2012, uh, Disney was reported to be developing a remake of The Rocketeer, with uh, James Wan, probably best known for uh, creating the the Saw franchise yeah. and also lingering sort of rather too much on women's behinds um, oh. <laughs> when he directed uh, Fast and Furious 7. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God, that went a bit dark all of a sudden. I didn't know that was an allegation against James Wan. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an allegation. It's a fact. There's a lot of weird <laughs> lingering butt shots in Fast and Furious uh, 7, 8. I have no idea. All the of them. James- <laughs> all, of, all of them, yeah. but especially the one that James Wan directed. <laughs> This is libelous. Cut it all out. Um, um, so anyway, so so talk of a of a Rocketeer remake uh, went quiet. Uh, but then in 2016, uh, new reports emerged of a sequel slash reboot called The Rocketeers uh, being developed by Disney. Uh, it would apparently take place six years after the original film with a black female pilot in the lead role. Uh, the film's plot would see the lead take on the mantle of the Rocketeer after Cliff Secord yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> went missing uh, while fighting the Nazis. Uh, the new Rocketeer goes on a mission to stop a corrupt scientist from stealing jetpack technology and shifting the balance of the Cold War. Uh, then in early 2020, uh, reports emerged that the film was still in development and that it would premiere at some point on Disney+, Plus. Oh. but it remains to be seen if it will ever materialise, but apparently still in the works. Surely um, Billy Campbell will have a cameo in that, surely. Well, well, <laughs> there has <laughs> there has already been a Rocketeer sequel of sorts, even though this, this, this live-action sequel is in development. There has been a sequel of sorts. So in November 2019, 28 years after the film's release, who is it for? Uh, <laughs> Uh, a Rocketeer animated series uh, launched on Disney Channel and Disney Junior. It's aimed at a younger audience, so just bear that in mind. Yeah. Um, but it, it sees Cliff's great-granddaughter 
Catherine Kitsikord become the new Rocketeer? What, and fighting the Nazis in a, in a kid's cartoon series? <laughs> no, because she's his great-granddaughter. So oh, I see. Okay. I don't, I don't think she's taking on, like, the Proud Boys. <laughs> well, the, the, uh, yeah, the Boston Tea Party, whatever they're called. What are they called? I don't know. We're not what are they called? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it, no, it's not the Boston Tea Party. It's just the called? Tea Party. It's just the Tea Party. The Boston Tea Party. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) my boy's wicked smart but he's a nazi the boston tea party (laughs) but let's go three helmet on two rocket pack secured one avionics check blast off clear to rocketeer let's get to work team but do you copy this is so ace! There's a new hero in town. Help! Never fear, I'm the Rocketeer. Thank you. A high flying. I know I'm meant to be in the sky. <laughs> Day saving. Hang on, sir. I've got you. Superhero kid. Rocketeer to pilot. We have your back and your wings too. After seeing what you did today, I'm sure I am looking at a hero. The Rocketeer series premiere Friday, November 8th at 11 over on Disney Channel. Oh, dear. I mean, I know that's not, we're not exactly the target audience. It's not for us. But I feel like of all the things that diehard fans of the Rocketeer had hoped for, one day they'd get some sort of follow-up. I feel like this was the last thing on their minds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's not it's not for us. Uh, it's not for middle-aged man children, is it? I feel like I feel so, like there's a there's a reason why comments are turned off on that YouTube video, you know what I'm saying? So so but it is, but it is a sequel to the film. Why well, don't um, do why bother doing that? It's stupid making it a sequel. That's what people get annoyed at. Make it a nice silly little thing for kids, but don't make it like it's it's official canon with the nineteen ninety one. Of course it isn't. It, but it is. It, oh yeah. Oh, make a nice little silly thing for kids, but don't touch our <laughs> don't don't touch our precious movie about a man flying around with a jetpack. No, but I like that's the idea. Real, that's real cinema. No, but I like the idea that you've got to consider those two different, um, completely different tonal projects in the same like universe. You've got to sort of say that that quite quite you know it's silly, but it's quite dark in its own way, fighting the Nazis and all that. And then you've got this. The ultimate kiddie cartoon CGI crap over here, and you go, oh yeah, it's the same universe. It's a, it's, a, it's a direct sequel. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You've got to sit down and watch both of them, one after the other. So, Billy Campbell. Um, <laughs> I love it when you just sort of. I'll oh, move on, move on from that rant. I don't know what clips you were watching when you're like, yes, yeah, it's, it's dark in its own way. <laughs> he um, shot, he shot a Nazi off the roof and pushed him off. That's pretty dark. You're not going to get that in that cartoon, are you? Yeah, but did you hear the accent he was using while he did it? <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, yeah, you, you didn't see the scenes that were excised from that trailer, just the, the, the brutal massacre of the Boston Tea Party <laughs> that occurs in this animated series. Um, so Billy, Billy Campbell um, does appear in the Rocketeer animated series, uh, oh voicing <laughs> Before you were like, I can't. They've got to have Billy in there. And you're like, why Billy? Why? 
it's not totally, like it's, it's totally pointless. It's totally pointless. Uh, uh, not like this. Who's it for? Because like the, the fans of the original won't want to watch this. It's not for them. And the kids that are watching this won't know or care about the original. So what's the point of getting Billy Campbell back? <laughs> so that we can talk about it right now. <laughs> so... So for uh, Billy Campbell, I just like the idea that there's some eight-year-old eight-year-old kid watching again. Oh my god, it's Billy Campbell! It's the voice of Billy Campbell from the 1991 film. They won't give a shit. <laughs> uh, so Billy Campbell uh, appears in this series pointlessly. Um, he appears um, voicing Dave Secord, who is uh, Kit's father and Cliff's grandson. So he plays his original character's grandson, but he. He also reprised his original role of Cliff in a newsreel seen in the first episode. First flight. Don't adjust your glasses, folks. You're actually seeing a man fly without a plane. Meet Hughesville's superhero, the Rocketeer. Help! Help! Famous for his high-flying heroics. This helmeted hero always makes time to help those in need. Never fear! I'm the Rocketeer! But you drooled on the Rocketeer. Dad says he was the best flyer ever. Hey, listen. That's a Travel Air D4D biplane. You can tell by the noise it makes. <laughs> See? I bet it's here for the air show. Morning, kid. Hurry, there's something I want to show you. Coming, Dad. <laughs> It's Sky writing a message. Happy birthday, Kit! Happy birthday, kitten. Thanks, Dad. I just woke up and this day is already amazing. Mom's got your other present. Here's a hint. It's something you've always wanted to do. Something like flying planes? Better go see Mom. She's at work. Okay, bye, Dad. Come on, Butch. Who wants asparagus? <laughs> So the Rocketeer animated series uh, aired 22 episodes up until uh, July 2020. And while rumours did surface that the show had been cancelled, uh, the show's fate hasn't actually been confirmed one way or another. And it was nominated for five awards at the Daytime Emmy Awards in 2019. They were obviously just you know, so impressed by the way in which it referenced uh, a three-decade-old movie with such consistency. They were like, wow, we really, really love how, how much they dedicated themselves to, to referencing a three-decade-old movie in this. It just, it just seems very pointless. I just, all right. So that's it. Um, if, 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 uh, if you haven't ever seen The Rocketeer, I thoroughly recommend it. It is a fantastic standalone adventure movie, fun for all the family, and it's fascinating to consider, I think, uh, what might have been if the film had performed better at the box office. The Rocketeer could have been one of the great movie franchises. It had all the ingredients, but it just didn't quite click. Tom, thoughts on The Rocketeer now that you no longer think it's uh, The Adventures <laughs> of the Ricicle Kid? <laughs> yeah, I think um, it looks like a lot of fun. I feel like it was pushed a bit too late. I feel like by 91, it just seems already a little bit outdated for that kind of adventure. I know you talk about Indiana Jones and stuff. But I feel like it 
it feels like a film that should have come out in like 1984, mm. sort of around the sort mm. of time of like Last Starfighter and all those sort of adventure type stuff. I know it's not, it's, it's, it's sci-fi. It's not like it's set in the future or anything, but again, it's, you know, again, it's, all that. it's not about a boy who becomes an astronaut. <laughs> no, but I feel like it, it's very much an eighties, mid eighties, like sci-fi adventure, isn't it? And I feel like it might've just, I feel like by 91, maybe the sort of kids that would have liked it in the mid eighties weren't really, you know, we were all loving like Bill and Ted and Wayne's world at that point. It wasn't really, it wasn't really the sort of thing they wanted, but oh well. No, I agree. I think the fact that um, it was in development from the mid '80s, and then it, because it, it, it was stuck in development hell, it took so long to materialize. It it, it feels like a product of the mid '80s. Uh, by the time it came out, in sort of the early '90s. Maybe it was a little bit, little bit outdated. Um, but but I, I still love it as a throwback to those kind of '30s, '40s, '50s serials. Just good-hearted, old-fashioned frolics and fun. Really serials, you say. Sort of like ricicles, <laughs> not, um, not that kind of series. Um, but weirdly, though, because it's set in the 30s, you could remake it now or, or have a sequel now, and it would be fine. It's not like it was set in the 90s, so it would be good for that reason. Well, because because it's now 30 years on, if you were to make a live action sequel now, I know they were talking about six years later, but you could do it, you could do the jump, the time jump in real time, and set it in, in the 60s, and then be like. Yeah rocketeer in the swinging 60s going up against you know have a cold war james bond vibe like that could be quite cool yeah um, so uh that is it thank you for joining us if you enjoy the sound of two men suffering from arrested development and very soon liver failure then uh, there's lots more at, uh, at two geeks two beers.com hours of the stuff uh we're also on itunes or apple podcasts uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Global Player, and all other good podcast outlets. Make it your New Year's resolution to subscribe and leave us a lovely review. And please do follow us as ever on all our social channels, which is at Two Geekscast on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll get lots of our general ramblings and latest stuff uh, we'll post on there. But also we're on Patreon. If you go over there and search for Two Geekscast as well, you'll get, if you sign up and give us a little bit of. Uh, dosh you'll get some exclusive goodies stuff you can only get there and we're going to be um upping the ante in 2021 and recording special mini sods essentially the same time we're recording an episode so there's always going to be bonus material you can only get there so please do support us on there uh, and you can also find us on youtube just put two geeks two beers into the search bar and you'll find episodes old and new in full plus clips and samplers uh, you could also email us, podcast at twogeeks2beers.com, and send us thoughts, feedback, suggestions for future episodes. We promise we'll read all your messages, even if our three-hour magnum opus about the Trancers franchise wins us a awards <laughs> and sees us finally break into the big time. <laughs> uh, so, to, to play us out, the music for The Rocketeer uh, was composed and conducted by the late, great James Horner, and is often hailed as one of the film's stronger elements. And it included two songs performed by the actress and singer Melora Hardin, uh, Jan oh. from the US office, um, yeah. who appeared in the film as a club singer. So to play it out, here is Melora Hardin with Begin with Gwyn. <laughs> Amazing. I think I pronounced that right, but based on my track record of this episode, probably not. Well, if it's the, if it's the same song, it's originally by Julio Iglesias of uh, Enrique Father Fame. So let's uh, enjoy this now. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs>
brings back the sound of music so tender. It brings back a night of tropical splendor. It brings back a memory evergreen. I'm with you once more under the stars. And out by the shore an orchestra's Nice. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. And I, I apologize if uh, if you can hear any, any background noise at the moment, listener. Um, I, I know we, we swill beer throughout, but now Tom's just, started, Tom's just started eating. He's just started eating in the middle of like, the, 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 the utter disregard for the process. He's just started like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm hosting this episode. And he's just started fucking like chewing on some quality street. Like, I had, look, I had a bag of wine gums looking at me this entire thing. I only had like four left. I was like, right, I've got to eat them. They're right there. I'll do it in this next clip. And then, uh, yeah, I thought I got away with it. And I realised you could probably hear everything I'm saying because I've got a nice microphone now. So, yeah, picks that up. So, the uh, the... <laughs>